believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Judges chapter 6. So Tuesday night we're here and we did just one chapter because when we come to the life of Gideon, there was so many good things that I could not do two chapters that night. So we're going to be with Gideon this week and then next week as well. And tonight we're going to look at his calling. So in this sequence of the book of Judges, about 1500 BC to 1100 BC in Jewish history, under the Mosaic Covenant, the Israelites are God's people. We saw in the book of Joshua, they're in the promised land. They've got land to inherit. The Canaanites are still there. They need to finish the job. They need to expel them. They don't belong there. But they didn't do that. They merged with them. They gave their daughters to their men, their men to their daughters, and they become unequally yoked, and they're worshiping the, the false gods of the Canaanites. And there's this sequence where they're oppressed by their enemies. They cry out to the Lord. God gives them a deliverer. That's a judge. And we saw that last week it was Barak and Deborah. And the week before that, it was Othniel. And now tonight we get Gideon. And so as we come to Gideon, we're going to look at his call, the call of God on Gideon's life. And we pick it up in verse 11 of chapter 6. God had just sent them a prophet telling them, your problems with the Midianites being in the land, overwhelming your land like locusts, like the swarming locusts, is that you've not obeyed my voice. You've not obeyed my word. So he made very clear to them why they have these problems. And then as they're crying out to them, to him, he's going to heed their cry and raise up Gideon. And that's our background as we come to verse 11. So in the midst of this oppression, this occupation in their land, we read in verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why there if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he, Gideon, said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I found favor in your sight, this is Gideon speaking, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. 
So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot. He brought them out to him under the terrapin tree, presented them to the angel of God, and said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out his end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he, was in the, that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abrazerites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants, did as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men in the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Everything else good in Gideon's life is a result of these 24 hours. This narrative all happens in a 24-hour period. So here's Gideon threshing wheat, which you do outside in a cave in hiding to protect their food, their sustenance. In the earlier part of this chapter, it said that the Midianites came in to devour everything they had. They, they wanted to take everything they had. The Midianites wanted the Israelites destroyed. And God had raised up the Midianites to chasten Israel for their disobedience to him. And so here's this day, Gideon just doing what he does. He's just trying to, he's literally grinding it out. You know, when you say like in surfing, they have that term like, dude, how you doing? Like, oh, bro, just grinding like that. You're just grinding. Like get up on Monday morning, go, you got to do this, you got to do that. Got to take care of mom, take care of pop, do these things. You're just grinding. Like you're grinding. That's, that's, that's what it is. He literally was grinding. Like he's, he's grinding the wheat. And he's under oppression, under fear uh, for his life, for his wealth. He didn't have security in his being, in his ability to live and exist. He didn't have security in his wealth. He didn't have security for his servants. Obviously, he had servants because it says he took 10 servants. So he had employees. How are you providing for your employees? You're all broke together. The whole company's suffering, right? It's like when you have to close everything up and it affects everybody. And the Midianites are there and they're taking everything. It's a very difficult day. It's a very difficult social circumstance that is going on here that we find Gideon in. This is not a happy time. This is not a good time. This is not a good time politically, socially, economically. This is a really bad time politically, socially, economically, spiritually, for God's people. It's a low point. It's a very low point. And so here's Gideon. We know from his own confession, he's heard all about what God did for the previous generations. He's heard what God can do, the the miracles and all those things. And he's just grinding. It's kind of like, I think a lot about our country and the next generation with our young kids in here tonight. They say of the millennials and Generation Z, really Z, which is the younger kids here tonight, that it's the first generation in American history that is given considered less opportunity for their future than all previous generations. Each successive generation in America has made it better and expanded, if you will, the kingdom, 
where the country's gotten stronger economically, the living standard's gotten stronger, in, in inventions, innovation, lifestyle's gotten stronger, less poverty, all, higher education, all this kind of stuff. And it's this generation, which really is the result of all the bad policies from the last 40 years that the baby boomers that are older than me made after the summer of love in 68 and brought a curse on this nation with all their licentiousness and evil things they did and all the policies we put in place, that now Generation Z, my grandkids, are the first generation in American history that are given less opportunity to be homeowners, good jobs, and meaningful education. If you give everyone higher education, then you don't really give them higher education at all. Because higher education is not for everybody. Greatness is great because it's not easy. So if everyone can be great, it's not great. Or as it's been said, people spending money they don't have to get degrees they can't use to look for jobs that don't exist. So in this pluralization that we find in our culture, this is not the point of my message tonight, but we do understand the context of getting here, is very similar for our young people. Is very similar. And most of this church is baby boomers and Gen Xers, and of course there's some millennials here. And I think it's really important as we're going two years around the block now with this new world that we're looking at, that this message tonight, this study tonight, is going to renew us in our vision for greatness with the kingdom of God, for our personal lives and for our children and our children's children, and particularly the young people here tonight. I want you to know there is a future and a hope, and it's better than one we got. Now, American government can say it's less opportunity, and they can twist and spin, cancel, woke, broke, and everything else they want to do. But what guides us here is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we've been saying in the book of Judges, yeah, there arose a generation that did not know the works of the Lord, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It literally says that in the book of Judges, which describes America and most of our planet. Good is evil, evil is good, common sense is long gone, and there's 17 genders, which is just complete insanity and nonsense. For people who insist on science, they're the most unscientific generation I've ever seen. So this is what we get. But not to be downcast or disheartened, because Jesus is on the throne, and when you're grinding, and the future looks bleak for some Gen Z person in high school, along comes the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus. The angel of the Lord is Jesus in this case. Now, we read something that's like an angel appeared or an angel of the Lord. But as we mentioned before, these are theophanies. So all things are made by Christ and for Christ. In him all things consist. He is before all things. He is all things. So it's not like Jesus just showed up as one cell in Mary's womb after the Immaculate Conception. Jesus has always been working. He's always held the universe together. And in the Old Testament at the burning bush, and at various other times, we have these Christophanies, or Theophanies, where you have Old Testament appearances of Jesus coming into time, space, and matter from the place of glory. Because remember, he laid aside his glory when he came to the world. And he comes to the world. Now, he doesn't come in his incarnate state. So when we're dealing with Jesus appearing as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's not like he's appearing like as he was a man. You know, because of course, he's the son of man, the son of God. And when he chose to become a man, he was completely dependent as a baby, as a newborn baby in the house of Joseph and Mary in a poor family. 
he took those limits. And then, of course, his ministry began with the Holy Spirit coming on him and all the miracles and everything he did. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who considered it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and dying the death on the cross. But in the Old Testament, he does make appearances. And in this case, it's not an angel, because twice in the text, in verse 14 and 16, it says, the Lord, he's referred to as the Lord, not the angel of the Lord. The Lord is speaking. And you can say, well, maybe, yeah, the the angel's representing the Lord, like Gabriel or Michael or something like that. But there's every reason to believe this is Jesus, a theophany, a Christophany. And if by chance it's not, and it's an angel of the Lord, the angel's doing what Jesus did in the New Testament. He's appearing supernaturally of a different dimension, which Jesus did. And he's calling this man, Gideon, to be an army of one, which is awesome when you think about that for a minute, and to bring about deliverance for God's people. The army of one plus God is all you ever need. The army of one plus God is all you ever need to change the world and to be great and to do great things. Which means your greatness, my greatness, all of our greatness who confess Jesus in here tonight, your and my greatness is not limited to, your greatness isn't limited to me, nor is mine limited to you. The army of one plus Jesus in our life is the greatness that is the very purpose of your life. And we are redeemed by Christ and by his blood and filled with the Holy Spirit to be great for the kingdom of God. To be great. Because the cross is not average. Tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost is not average. Handkerchiefs that heal people is not average. It's supernatural. And even as Danny prayed earlier that we'd be spirit-filled and ask and seek and knock, we say yes and amen. There is nothing average about the cross, the church, the kingdom, the great commission, and our place in the universe tonight. Because the church is the bride of Christ, and he's coming for his bride, and he loves his bride. And he's not done with the work he wants to do through his bride. There is greatness right around the corner for each one of us with Jesus Christ as we choose it. And in this text, when the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, he's coming from a different dimension, so transdimensional, so the curtain's opening like Elijah's chariot, and here he comes, all of a sudden, there, like Jesus in the fire with Meshach, Shark, and Abednego, there, double dimensions, time, space, and matter, like here, but the eternal dimension over it. Wow, awesome. And in that realm... What the angel Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And we talked about this Tuesday, and this really is a key thought tonight. God looks at each one of us. There's a potential for our lives, obviously. And we know that the Bible says, wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many go thereby. The person that goes on the wide and broad path that rejects Christ their whole life, they never lived. They existed a fallen remnant of the glory of God created in his image. They never lived because Jesus came to do what? To give life, abundant life, eternal life. When you're born again, 
The light's on. We're made alive. In Adam, all sin and die, but in Christ, we're made alive. We pass from death to life. So the broad path that leads to destruction that most people on planet Earth have chosen for 6,000 years is one where they exist but don't live. And Christ comes to give life. And you see, when we're born again and we receive Christ and we pass from death to life and we're adopted into the family of God, we become joint heirs with Christ and he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Now we live. Now we live. We're made alive. We're living. And grace abounds and mercy abounds and forgiveness and hope and all the promises are yes and amen and we're alive. And so here, as the angel of the Lord appears to him, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And as he's speaking this word, this phrase, mighty man of valor, we say tonight, mighty women of valor, mighty man of valor, young person of valor, older person of valor. It's God speaking who we're meant to be and the fullest potential of us fulfilling our God-given destiny in the purpose of our life. This is not an average message tonight here at Worship Generation. This is a prophetic message. Because this is what the church needs to do in 2021 as we load up and get ready for 2022 and an uncertain future. We need to be great, not our greatness, but his greatness in and through us as we're fully transformed by his power and walking in his strength and in his calling. We have that greatness. See, we, the, too much of the church feels defeated, divided, discouraged, downcast, disheartened. Jesus looks over every believer on planet earth right now and says, go mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor, be all you're meant to be. Soar, flourish, be abundant life, be eternal life, be joyful, be triumphant, be victorious, be those things. And we've had such a beatdown from the devil and demonically inspired men and women that we forget We're destined for greatness now. We are destined for greatness right now. The blood of Jesus Christ isn't waiting to make us great in eternity, which it will do ultimately. But we're his church. When they said, is it now going to be time to restore the Father's kingdom? No, don't you worry about that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's your business. And that power is no less availed today than it was, you know, 33 AD. That power is ours. We need to quit playing for a tie in our personal lives. We we need to quit being crippled by our failures of our past and the fear of an unknown future. The church needs to be triumphant. We're daughters of the king. We are sons of the king. We are royalty. Ours is the eternal kingdom. Ours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That is the church. And so when Gideon's here grinding, trying to keep his business alive, grinding because the supply chain's not working, grinding because the threats of the latest mandates that are around the corner, he's just grinding. How are we going to do this? He's in the day. He's in the moment. You have to be when you're grinding. And he could have almost forgotten who he really was as a child of the king in the Mosaic Covenant. 
He could have thought in that cave that God doesn't know, God doesn't care, I'm nobody, because that's what he said he was. He was destined for greatness. Even as Joseph in the prison of Egypt, 800, 700 years before, always faithful, faithful to his dad, faithful to Potiphar, faithful in the prison. All those around him were faithless and unfaithful to him. He was faithful, 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 grinding, grinding, grinding. You know, before he became the second most important person on planet Earth, he was broke and had no personal freedom. Joseph, the son of Jacob, was in prison, falsely accused. It's bad enough to be in prison because you should be in prison. He was falsely accused. For years, he was in that prison. He had no bank account. He had no 401k. He had no assets and real estate. He didn't have any cryptocurrency, good stock, bad stock. He had nothing but the responsibilities that he saw God gave him every single day in that situation. And he was faithful. And he could have said, God, you've left me. You gave me a dream when I was 17 of all this greatness, and you left me, and how can this be? But that, no, 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 no. In one day, he went from the prison to the palace. And in one day, he inherited everything. He got the chariot. He got the best car. He got the SUV you can't find. That tundra that you can't find, he got it. Because the king has a tundra in his garage. He got it. He, uh, the sprinter van, he got that too. The, 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 the best lot on the river, that's yours. He got that. You know, most people that win the lottery don't know what to do with the money. Most people, when they go from poverty to wealth, they blow it and they don't know how to handle it because you learn how to handle money as you gain money, which is part of our message tonight. But Joseph, he went from zero to millions. And within 14 years, he was a land baron that made Donald Trump look like a beginner in real estate business. And everyone told him everything, and you know what? They felt really good about it, too. In 14 years, he made everybody happy. He saved all their lives. He blessed the nations around him. He was a great employee for his boss, and people were happy to sell him their land. He was a blessing. There was greatness on his last day in the prison. There was greatness right there, hanging over his head, and God had not forgotten him. How about Mary? Probably a teenager. Poor, we know, very poor. In love. Don't you just love romance movies where they're both poor and they're in love, they're young in love and they're poor? It's kind of like Fiddler on the Roof, if you know. Like, just, like, just like, I don't want to marry the, the 40-year-old bit, you know, the, the butcher. Yeah, I want to marry the young guy. You know, you know it's, like, it's like she was poor. She was in love. Her heart skipped the beat when she looked at Joseph. It really did. And then the angel came. And she was going to be the most amazing woman in human history. She was going to carry Jesus Christ in her womb without having sexual intimacy with a man. Now she said, how's this going to happen? There was no precedent. And Gabriel walked her through it. You know, she said, let it be to me as thou hast spoken, the maidservant of the Lord. His greatness right there. And destiny the rest of her life. Greatness and destiny is all right there. How about Esther? No parents? A captive in a foreign land? 
Very attractive, obviously. Saves herself for the right man and she gets pulled into this beauty pageant where she has no choice on the matter. Has to parade herself before this king. But she wins the king. And then suddenly she's in a place where it's absolute greatness. For that very moment, her destiny. All that flower of youth, all that beauty. Not for her and her handsome king, but to save her people. It was her greatness. It was her destiny. And the Church of Jesus Christ in 2021 on the fourth quarter, looking toward 2022, has a destiny for greatness. Every one of us redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And of that, I'm 100% certain of right now. Because this is the word of God. And so Gideon looks in the mirror and he sees nothing but a grinder. But Jesus speaks to him as the angel Lord speaks over him all that he'll be. You mighty man. This valor. You mighty woman of valor. Forget your past. And forget the fears of your future. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.